0: Now let's talk about the Super Bowl, what commercials you liked, how you felt about the halftime show. Oh, yes, probably ought to talk about the game, too. We'll also talk about Buckeye basketball, tough winter workouts, and how does Ohio State stack up against Bama and Georgia in next year's national title game? All that and more in this episode of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my co-host, Johnny Ginner. Johnny. The big game has come and gone. That means it's another 200 some days till we have professional football in our lives again, a little less till we have college football in our lives again. Uh, I, for one, thought after one of the best NFL playoff slates in recent memory, some of the best games maybe in the history of NFL playoff football, that the Super Bowl was pretty fantastic, actually, Uh, you know, setting aside that uh, sons of Southern Ohio should not be, uh, any too pleased with the actual outcome of the game. I thought the yeah. game itself was really entertaining. How, how, how did it fit your expectations? Did it press your entertainment buttons?
1: Well, I didn't want it to be entertaining. I want That was the problem. Like I didn't want to be emotionally invested in this game any more than I absolutely had to be, because I did not think that the Bengals were going to win. And obviously they didn't. And so I'm sitting there in the third quarter going, oh, God, they, this, they, they might actually win. So now I have to care. And then I had to care. And then, of course, they, they ended up blowing it. And so, you know, the writing was probably on the wall maybe halfway through the third quarter just because Bengals offensive line couldn't do a single thing to stop the uh, Los Angeles Rams defensive line from just murdering Joe Burrow. I mean, it was like an at two Brutus kind of thing where it's just, you know, he's getting stabbed 75 times from all angles. Like there's nothing he can do uh, because he was getting no protection whatsoever. And so that felt a little inevitable, but honestly I would have preferred a blowout for the Bengals than a close loss because then at least I could like just concentrate on the commercials and making stupid jokes on Twitter. But um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, the game itself was entertaining, but honestly, I just, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm mentally planning out what it's going to look like when I'm 70 and I get to watch the Bengals in another Super Bowl. So yeah, because, we'll I mean,
0: like. I was, well, what did I determine? I think eight the last time, the seven, maybe the last time the yeah. Bengals were in the Super Bowl. You were a year or two younger yet than that. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're on track to be septuagenarians the next time. Now, now that said, you know, I had, I had a couple friends, not partisan for either team who you know, were messaging uh, with me over, over the last 24 hours or so. And one of them made the observation said, you know, B- burrow will be back in that game uh he he's too good not to get back there um and and their point was that it was you know nice for the matt staffords and the aaron donalds and and uh, whitworths and some of these guys who were on the back side of their career you know get it get it now um burrow would be back now <laughs> you you and i are probably why do a little they more think cyn- that why you do and they I think are that? a little more cynical than that that no maybe they won't actually be no. back there um but but to your comment about that you'd have been happier with a blowout I I think you and I both expected a blowout going into it. Like we looked at yeah. this thing and said the Rams were a lot better than the Bengals in the areas where it really mattered, namely keeping the quarterback alive. Uh that right. that was a big one I think we were very much concerned about that the uh Rams defensive front would really feast against the Bengals offensive line. And they did. I mean, I think Burrow was sacked more in the entirety of the playoffs than any quarterback in history, maybe sacked in the super bowl more than any quarterback in history. If, if recollection serves, uh, Collinsworth or Michael's one commenting at, uh, at one point in the game. And, and yet they were still in it, <laughs> you know, they were, they were basically one stop away from winning it. I, I frankly didn't see them holding it that close. Uh, and I don't think you could just chalk that up to Odell Beckham Jr. Being out of the game, Early questionable play calling, maybe on both sides a little bit, you know, why didn't you start the, just throw it to Cooper cup. Whenever you feel like it offense earlier, if you're the Rams, if That's you're right. questioning play calling on the Bengals side, maybe say, God, why do you just keep running it into the teeth of that defense? Instead of letting Joe, you know, sling it out there to his amazing wide receivers, maybe go the Ohio state offense, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, where, where did the Bengals let it get away from them? Cause, cause it's, it's very, uh it, it was very easy for me to ask the question afterward if the refs were going to get Super Bowl rings along with the Rams after that phantom holding call uh there late in the game. But where, where did they really let it get it? Was it just merely a function of the offensive line being so terrible?
1: I mean, offensively, I think that was a huge part of it. Defensively, they just didn't have an answer for Cup. And that was...
0: Eli Apple, you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the thing, though, right? I mean, it's not he's a mismatch against anybody and then yes Eli Apple deserves all the shade that he's getting right now because he brought it upon himself but he also I mean Cup just had one of the most insane seasons anybody's ever had you know at that position so I you know I don't want to put it all on on the Bengals defense but I I do think that you just had a situation where you had bad bad matchups defensively on offense you can't get anything going like I would love to have seen you know, Joe Burrow being able to drop back and, and light it up. He, ha- he had no shot. He had no chance. Mm-hmm. There was, there he had no time. I mean, people, I was talking to a, a coworker of mine today about that last play, you know, that fourth and one play. I'm like, that wasn't, he's like, that's a terrible play call. I was like, I don't know what the play call was because it was blown up right. immediately. Right. There were three dudes in the backfield within a half second of the ball being snapped. There's nothing you can do about that. So, you know, I don't know, man. I just think overall uh the deficiencies that the Bengals have showed their ass a little bit in the Super Bowl to the extent we're like, okay, this is the reason why this team, you know, maybe wasn't super dominant going into the playoffs, and so maybe why Bengals fans were going, okay, well, if we get a win, that'll be sweet. If we get two wins, that'll be incredible. Because they have some pretty obvious deficiencies that they're going to need to address in the offseason and free agency they've got all that cap room Mm
0: -hmm.
1: again you've got a notoriously cheap owner who just does not seem to care about winning but they've drafted so unbelievably well that you gotta hope that they'll hit on a couple of these offensive linemen that they will inevitably take and maybe pick up some guys in free agency and here's the thing man like I don't know that the Bengals are ever going to back to the Super Bowl in my lifetime. I don't know, but, you know, they they have an, a good team, they have a good core, a good young core, but you never know. I mean, honestly, AFC has got a lot that you have to go through if you want to make that trip again. Um, but regardless of of what their potential future might hold you want to keep Joe Burrow alive. You know what I mean? Like just for the sake of the franchise. I don't even really like I care. Obviously I want the Bengals to go back to the Super Bowl, but just for the sake of being a football fan in general, I want to see Joe Burrow have a long and successful career and you got to you got to give that guy an offensive line to try to to work behind it. cuz it's it's ridiculous right now and and watching him just get annihilated during the playoffs that's malpractice i'm sorry that's 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 football management malpractice you cannot do that to a guy of that kind of talent it, and
0: for crazy. what it's worth i don't think the answer is that they should have drafted sewell instead of i don't Chase. think so either um it, 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 that wouldn't have been a bad choice like if you had done that that wouldn't have been wrong no it would but you not can, have been you wrong
1: get, you can go in free agency you can yeah. really try to get a lot better on the offensive line you know and they didn't do that they they chose instead to try to show up their defense which is fine i understand that but just for the sake of protecting your quarterback coming off of an injury i, I it still baffles me the <laughs> lack of effort they put into trying to to bolster that offensive line prior to the season
0: well and compare that to the rams who went out you know before the trade deadline and and bought the players they needed to get yeah there. exactly Right. So you, you go out and you bring in Vaughn Miller who contributed right. considerably. Uh, I mean, they went, they went out there, uh, brought in o- Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, who figured to be a huge part of their game plan, uh, in that game. So, you know, you go in and you bring in some guys. Now the, the really interesting thing, I, I got called to task on the twitter.com one of our, our favorite websites, uh, by a Bengals fan who said I was, uh, offering out a lazy take that, uh, Brown, the, the Brown family has always, uh, paid guys, um, and, and pointed to the defensive free agents last year that the Bengals went and bought, uh, you know, my, my comment to that is, I guess we'll see because, um, the Bengals project to have, I believe the third highest cap space this year. Yeah. So yeah, ton of th- cap space. yeah I mean, they, they've got, they've got money to play with um if but will they actually do you know well i mean i'm skeptical i think the same as you are i I, you know innocent until proven guilty or in this case you
1: know i'll I'll believe it when i see it
0: yeah Uh, show you know i i need to see i need to see it
1: so a team um, that doesn't have an indoor practice facility you're allowed to be a little (laughs) skeptical about whether or not they'll actually spend money to keep uh, their franchise quarterback upright which again would be a no-brainer for any literally any other franchise but this is the Bengals we're talking about so who knows
0: we talked about uh you know the fact that Ohio State had more players in the Super Bowl uh than at any point in history four starters in the Super Bowl first time ever um mm-hmm. and and they were all in the Bengals Jordan Fuller was the only member of the Rams team to come from Ohio State if recollection serves uh he did not play in the game he's on injured reserve. Um, I, th- I think is that right? Um, yeah, he, because of his ankle injury in that yeah. last game. So you know, you you had a lot of rooting interest on the on the Bengals side of the the line, and certainly Sam Hubbard, eight tackles, two for loss. Uh, Von Bell was I thought fantastic all season long, seven tackles, one for loss. It was Eli great. Eli Apple had five tackles and a pass breakup. But is there a guy who has been more roasted? in the 24 hours after the super bowl ended than eli apple uh you know that guy and you and i have laughed about his um world famous shit talking on twitter over the course of the playoffs and 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 he earned some of that but the 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 rest of that story is if you're going to dish it out you're going to be able to take it too because oh boy sure got a heap and helping of it after after his team lost the super bowl
1: yeah well you want to if you want to talk smack like you're a number 1, you know, DB corner, then you got to actually play like it. And it's he's not. He's just he's not. And they don't even really have that right now. Um but I I don't know. Maybe you you try to speak it into existence, right? Like if I act, if I act like I'm the best corner, maybe I will be the best cornerback on the planet. And it's just it, he didn't. He got abused many times. Um and I don't know. It, it's interesting to watch the directory of some of these guys because, you know, Von Bell, I mean, dang, that dude, we know that that guy's capable of some really high level play. Um, Eli Apple, on the other hand, is all over the place. And sometimes you might get something really awesome. Sometimes we get something really stupid. And unfortunately, that's, you get a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> and I don't know, man. The, the, what's frustrating is you look at a guy like Joe Burrow. Uh, unbelievably talented you look at a guy like chase and go okay well these guys are going to be provided that they stay injury free um unbelievably good in the nfl for a very long time you just got to figure out how to build around them and if this were let me put it this way if this were the new england patriots with bill belichick or i don't know any number of other teams frankly you would look at that core and go holy crap you better real scared about the Cincinnati Bengals but because you don't have that kind of leadership and ownership it could all just like you know fade away like a fart in a hurricane like you have no idea about what's going to happen the next two or three seasons so I again I do enjoy the fact that the Bengals went out and, and won the AFC championship and won you know three playoff games, which still sounds insane to me. I'm going to enjoy that, but, uh, I, I'm not planning on the future, I guess is a good way to put this. Um, but it, it is fun to watch, you know, Bengals in the, in the super bowl. And you're always happy when, when one wins that, that ring.
0: One other bit of NFL news before we move on to college sports, uh, former Ohio state, uh, defensive lineman and coach Mike Vrabel. Named the Associated Press's as NFL Coach of the Year, I, I thought that was a good, oh that was a good call there. Vrabel, you know, and he's had a tremendous career mm-hmm. so far as an NFL coach. Um, but, but I thought he did a really masterful job coaching this season. Uh, he was honored Thursday night during the NFL's Night of Honors celebration. Uh, his fourth season with the Titans, and they were the number one seed in the AFC East, twelve and five regular season. Lost to the aforementioned Bengals in the divisional round, uh, and two days after Vrabel signed his contract extension with the Titans, I do you see a guy you envision taking a team to the Super Bowl? Uh, do, do, do you see Vrabel getting there? How long do you think his career is in the NFL league? Is he built for the long haul here? The way things are going in, his I think first so. Four seasons and I mean,
1: I you know what? I was actually I was kind of a guy who was like you know Mike Vrabel maybe. Maybe he'll be he'll bounce around like one of those, you know, some of these other coaches that you see where it's like he's an attitude guy. So they bring him in to, to change the culture or something like that. And, and, you know, that's what they wanted with Urban Meyer. But, like, Vrabel looks like he has a lot more staying power than that. And, um, yeah, I, I think, he, you know, I, they can get – they can draft as well as the Bengals have and and get some other pieces. I, I absolutely think that he, he's capable of that.
0: I find it really interesting and I didn't realize this. I hadn't given it any thought uh, until I was reading Dan's piece about variable getting uh, coach of the year honors that that variable is just the fourth former Ohio state player to ever become an NFL head coach. Sid Gilman, Gary Muller, and of course the venerable Dick LeBeau, one of my, my favorite uh, Ohio state uh, al- alumni in, in history. Um, so I, you, that, that in and of itself seems surprising to me as big as Ohio state football is. And as many great players have come through there, you know, we've talked before at length, you know, as a fan base. And on this podcast, certainly about the lack of success, Ohio state quarterbacks have had in the league, or you could look at other positions or, you know, we talk about the the notable busts and so on, mm-hmm. but it, it, it kind of blows my mind that there have been that few former players go on to coach, at a high level in the league and maybe that's just a testament to it being that hard that there's you know only 32 guys that that do it um but yeah that's not a huge number of NFL head coaches from the Ohio State University
1: yeah well I mean it's I definitely think that there is a, a big time difference between you know college and the NFL when it comes to that kind of stuff and I don't necessarily see that as a a knock against ohio state and I would, I would actually be curious to see maybe what college has had the most alumni at least in terms of like football alumni um you know like guys who had played and or coached at ohio state move on to or at their colleges move on to the nfl because i, I i'd be curious yeah i don't know that that's necessarily a pipeline for anybody i guess is my point mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's that's an interesting. I'll have to look that up. That's an interesting uh, question.
0: Uh, in 2018, footballscoop.com dot uh, com looked at the current um, head coach. No, that's not even. Sometimes you know, when you read Google search results, you'll oh, like, yeah. read something you're like, Oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then you click <laughs> nope. on it, and then you're like, This isn't even remotely close to what I was looking <laughs> for. <laughs> I just did that. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure this 2018 article was going to tell us exactly what I wanted to know. If it. And like, Nailed like, oh, it. No, no, this is not. <laughs> this is oh, not sorry. actually at all. Sometimes that's reading comprehension. You know, reading's really tough. Uh, but at, yeah, I think your, your points well mate, the other thing I was thinking about and looking at that list of former Buckeyes who went on to coach is, you know, one of the surest indicators, uh, might be that you had some experience in the NFL and thinking about Dick LeBeau had a, had a, had a hall of fame career, um, you know, as a player and, and you had obviously Vrabel extremely successful in the league as a player. So maybe that's part of it too, that, mm-hmm. You, you had to have had some, uh, I I do think that will change at some point because uh, Ohio state's fortunes. I mean, it feels like at some point you might see a Brian Hartline as an example going to coach maybe. in the league now, maybe not. maybe he'll stay and in, 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 be, you know, head coach at Ohio state someday and retire there after winning five national championships, who, who knows, but you know, that's a guy who's been extremely successful both as a player and as a coach. Right. Uh well, anyway, time will tell. All right, let's move on to basketball. Since the football season, both college and professional behind us now, firmly in the rear view, and we're still a month and a half or so away, almost two months away from the spring game, and and a few weeks less than that, shy of getting spring uh practices underway. Let's talk about shooty hoops. Ohio State had an interesting run of it last week, splitting a pair against Big Ten opponents, uh, getting shellacked on the road against Rutgers, but then rebounding in a big way and taking down the Wolverines in Ann Arbor uh really interesting set of games and two very different results how are you feeling about Buckeye basketball here
1: at the midway point through February Uh, (laughs) I mean you know I I want to believe in this team I really do and I want to go out and say all right you know look at the resume look at some of the teams that they've beaten this is this they've beaten is some very team. good teams they have they've beaten some really good teams they just have really struggled on the road and you know i was not super confident going to this michigan game not necessarily because i think michigan's all that great because they're fine but they're not really great or anything like that they're just decent um but just because it was a road game in the big 10 and that's just been a huge struggle for ohio state and then they came out And just whopped them. I mean, it was – I don't think they ever really trailed all that much in that game, if at all. I mean, it was just – they were on top of it from go, and that's exactly what you want to see in that kind of environment. I mean, they were – that was a Michigan team and fan base that was amped for that game. They were ready to throw down, and Ohio State just said no we're going to win and they just sat on their chest until till they cried uncle that was pretty much it so um you know you see more performances like that we're running short on time in the season but there's still enough time i think for ohio state to establish you know a precedent going into tournament time uh you get a few more examples of that on the road and um i think that that's that's a really good sign going into the last month here but on the other hand if you you know continue to have these up and down kind of performances and whatnot then maybe that's what you'll get in March so we'll see I I want to believe in this team I just need to see more of it although I like I said will not deny how unbelievably kick-ass it was to roll into Ann Arbor and and pull that off
0: and and I should correct myself I I said that Ohio State got shellacked by Rutgers and the game was actually much closer than that it was the last Three minutes and say 45 seconds that felt like an utter butt kicking. But that's
1: the thing, though, right? Because they've they've gone to the wire on the they looks mm. like they're in control, looks like yeah. they're doing well, and then they just go ice cold, they struggle in those last three to five minutes of, of a game, especially on the road. And that did not happen against yeah, that, Michigan. They the locked that team down.
0: That's right. The Rutgers game, you know, they're up by eight with 348 to play. Uh things look good all you could do is close this thing out. Instead, they missed their last seven shots. Rutgers goes on a 10 and 0 run and wins at 66-64. The shellacking, of course, was the Maryland game um, um, that that they handed out. Ohio State handled out a nice little shellacking on Maryland the the night before, the Sunday night before that. That Michigan game was really fun um, for a variety of reasons. Number one, it just blows my mind that you've gone from a Final Four team um, at Michigan to You know, some of the commentary during that game was talking about Michigan, you know, as a potential bubble team, uh, depending Mm. on how they fare down the stretch. Right. And which I'm like, wow, you know, how how far the mighty have fallen. Um, but also because that's a real confidence winner, confidence builder for Ohio State, given the late collapses you talked about, but their troubles on the road in general. This is a team that has really struggled on the road. Um this season, they've been dynamite at home. I mean, really, really good at home. But just you know, you look at their on the road: three and five overall, three and four in the Big Ten. That's not great. No, versus ten and zero at home overall, four and zero at home in the Big Ten. They're undefeated at home and under five hundred on the road. It's yes, it's harder to win on the road, but you, you've got to if you're going to really, you know, especially they they have a chance to to sneak up there, um, in the conference standings yet, you know, this, the conference standings are are still, they're still in reach for Ohio state. Mm -hmm. You know, they're only, if you look, uh, what are they now, you know, Illinois is at the top of the heap at 11 and three Ohio state's at eight and four. So, I mean, they're only one game back in terms of the loss column with a couple of these games to make up yet from the, the postponement. So, I'm, the thing I wonder about is if with the number of games Ohio State has to play yet in the next, you know, say two weeks, um, how how they can hold up. Because one of the things you could say in Michigan's to Michigan's credit, they played like what four games in eight days or something like that. They had that's true, just, yeah. They they, they were yes. a bit of a
1: grinder, right? And that's a good point. And so, yeah, you're right. Ohio State's going to get their own version of that when they try to make some of these games up in the back end, and. I think most of these are winnable games, right? Like the the ones that they have to make up, I think are certainly winnable. Um, you, know, you still got to play Michigan State. You got to play Michigan again. You got to go at Illinois, which is going to be rough. Um, but you get most of the – I mean, look, they've got what? How many games do they have left? Something like so seven, nine, eight,
0: nine, nine games left. Nine yeah, and only two. Game, and you get to play six of them at home, so that yeah. th- that's very nice.
1: Yeah. So you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be in the driver's seat to at least secure a nice seat in the big 10 tournament, maybe when the conference outright in the regular season. So you've got a chance. you definitely have a chance here. Um, I just, <laughs> you know, we, we pour over these stat lines, right. And we try to see like, who's, who's got it going, who's going to be able to, uh, you know, make an impact and whatnot. And, and yes, obviously you've got the consistency in EJ Liddell, who's just a monster and can do everything. Um, I mean, God, against Michigan, he was just, I mean, forget it, right? Like, the, almost 30 points, uh, perfect from the free throw line, just cannot be stopped. Um, but then you look at the rest of the stat line, you're like, okay, what, Cedric Russell was the second-leading scorer? Russell was fantastic. Yeah, and he was, and he was great, and he was great. But my point is is that you look at some of these other dudes, and you're like, okay, Zed, like, four points, what are we doing here? You had one rebound? I mean, this is <laughs> – that. but that's what we're talking about. It, you know, when some of these guys get into early foul trouble and they they're kind of remove themselves from the game, it just all falls on EJ. And, you know, you want to see a guy like Zed and Kyle Young and Malachi Branham, and, and yes, he's young, but you want, you want to see those guys step up a little bit and um you know some of these better teams who are better than michigan will be able to, to take away ej a little bit and that's gonna make things a lot more difficult in the future so there's still some learning to do i'm actually kind of glad that they have maybe not so many games in such a small time period but at least an, enough games to maybe continue to work some kinks out establish something um because really they're they, you know they're two-thirds of the way through their season honestly i mean they still have a lot left um but yeah I don't know man it, you got guys like you know Justin Arns comes in plays 10 minutes scores zero points <laughs> Joey Brunk comes in plays a minute and and outscores both him both Arns and Soto's combined <laughs> like I don't know it, it's just you want to see more consistency from the team that's really that's really my my biggest beef right now with what's going on
0: yeah I said there were uh, nine games left I was counting that, that was counting the Michigan game that they played Saturday night yeah. I, I miscounted off the schedule there so they're going to play minnesota at home tonight uh and then the, then then as you the, got until saturday that's when it gets hairy kind of from then on out in terms of the you know the number of games because you're going to run into iowa on saturday uh indiana the following monday then you're on the road to illinois thursday back home uh or no go go clear to maryland on sunday um and and then back home again to take on Nebraska and Michigan state, two days later, Michigan, three days after that. So they come fast and furious here down the stretch. Uh, but having all those teams, you know, the ones, the ones that are gonna be interesting, Illinois on the road, as you rightly noted, Purdue beat Illinois twice, um, Maryland beat Illinois is kind of weird. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think Illinois is beatable, but the last time those two teams matched up, uh, you know, that was a tough one see and i'd never count out tournament tom Izzo, so
1: no no i mean i w- I would like to but no <laughs> like we've 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 seen it in the past where it's like okay time to write off michigan state and then no i guess it wasn't that was a mistake yeah we should not have done that on,
0: on the verge of passing bobby knight for most wins in big 10 conference
1: history that's wild that's wild yeah
0: uh, okay. So we'll be, we'll be talking about basketball quite a lot in the next few weeks. I, I promise we're going to get Chris louder back, back, on the program at some point to talk about it. Cause I was super impressed with Cedric Russell. He was the difference in that game against Michigan. No, no doubt in my mind. And anytime you get over, uh, get a win over Michigan. Hey, you know what? That's yeah. it. It's a good to, day. To to I was going to say, well, to quote, you know, we never did talk about the halftime show. To quote some, to quote some uh, to quote <laughs> some, some hip hop uh forefathers of of today's artists. You know, it was a good day. It was a good. It was day. a good day. Uh, let's talk about that briefly. Did you, as a fellow child of the '90s, enjoy the halftime show? Damn, that uh, was the, sick.
1: It was great. It was I loved great. it. I loved and it. And you know what? I fully embrace like the boomerness of I uh, not the boomerness, I guess, because the boomers were the ones mad at it. Because you know black people on tv but um it was great because okay (laughs) this is gonna i hate i hate the intergenerational culture wars at least yeah yeah. at least whenever it's directed towards millennials i'll direct towards anybody else but i don't want anybody getting mad at me um but uh what i really liked about it was that to me like you're right that was the music that kids grew up with in the the early to mid to late 90s and i don't think there's anything that can touch it since the like mid to late 60s and early so like in terms of just like cool factor mm-hmm. and how like kick ass it is i'm sorry like zoomers cannot compete with that you can't i'm sorry you may think it's old people music and it is at this point because dr Dre is like 56 but i'm sorry that has just more like swagger and like cool factor than anything else it's it was it was just awesome to watch it was so great and then kendrick lamar who was not necessarily part of that you know, generation still comes out and just absolutely throws down. And I forgot that he's like a little tiny dude, but uh K Dot was sick. That guy comes out and he's he's just a badass as any one of those guys. So it was great. It was really fun to watch.
0: I, I got to admit, I know... I'm not even a West
1: Coast dude. I like the East Coast stuff better, but that's fine. It's still amazing.
0: I, I got to admit, I know diddly crap about uh Kendrick Lamar but I was super impressed because I knew all the words to everything else that played in the uh in, in the commercial in fact my daughter kept looking at me strangely when I was
1: uh word for word along with Marshall Mathers uh <laughs> 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 they should have my wife actually was she pointed us out they should have done without me instead of uh instead of lose yourself but either one was would have been a good choice yeah without I feel me, like though. that was the one they had to go with just because everybody
0: yeah there's I mean but there's so many great You know, if you go back to the Eminem LP, you go to the Marshall Mathers LP. I mean, there were just so many good tracks. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they're so good. And (laughs) it was funny just watching my social media timeline blow up. And I saw somebody explain it very succinctly. If you were older than, say, 50, you hated it with the fiery passion (laughs) of 10,000 burning suns, or at least were willing to acknowledge that I'm not the target demo for this show. If you were between the ages of, say, i'll I'll go 30 to 45 you thought it was the greatest halftime show in history yes that Um, yes that's the demo you 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 might have said well prince was pretty good but this was the this was the goat and if you were under the age of 25 you weren't sure what the hell was happening
1: well i gotta tell you something (laughs) you're under the 25 they just took you to school because again i'm not i'm not saying that new music is all bad or anything like that i'm not one of those guys i'm not i'm not sitting here going like "Oh, kids these days i've cried i'm just saying I don't think there's anybody and I was trying to explain this to some kids a a little bit ago. I'm like, there's nobody that can really compare today in terms of like star power. And I think it's because everything is so diffuse now with social media and how people consume media without that element, you're allowed to concentrate the star power of especially the music industry in a way, you know, in the late 90s early 2000s in a way that really doesn't exist today so when dr dre comes out that means something to a certain group of people. i understand kids are like ah that's i don't know who this old guy is um and that's fine you know but i don't think it's i don't think kids can really understand what it's like to have somebody dominate a genre of music or just music in general the way some of these guys did for certain periods of time, like Eminem, again, whatever you want to say about Eminem, his level of influence and star power at his height was like he overtook everything. If you listen to music at all, you knew who Eminem was, and you knew exactly what he was singing. And like, even if you hated rap music, you knew everything about what was going on. Um, and I say that even about like Kanye West. Like every college kid knew who Kanye West was, and like jammed out to Kanye West. I don't think there's a, an artist like that today. Um, there's so, I mean, there's some big time. I'm not taking anything away from like the Taylor Swift of the world and whatnot, but it's not like it used to be. Um, because I just think it's 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 gotten a lot more granular, but um, yeah, man, that that show was kick ass, it was great, and it wasn't like super intricate or anything like that. It was just a bunch of guys and just you know, even like laying down, and it was it was cool, it was awesome.
0: I, I had to uh, I had to chuckle, you know, as people were having their takes about that the halftime show i was talking to my mother on monday and mom is a diehard bengals fan so i was consoling her and, and we were <laughs> yeah. talking through and uh lamenting joe burrow's future health and so on right. and so forth and we got time at the halftime show and of course she is definitely not in the target demo uh for the halftime show and uh, there was a little bit of grumbling and then she says that she says but I have to say that Snoop Dogg may be the coolest person on the planet.
1: I mean, and okay, I'm like, is it, like, but really, what, really, is there anybody who can not, I don't care what your persuasion is in terms of your music, right? Right. Likes and dislikes. You cannot watch that dude and go, I don't, I don't think he's that cool. I think he's pretty lame. Like you can't say that <laughs> That's what you I'm, watch I'm, him go on the screen. You're like, Oh my God. He's just I, effortlessly almost, awesome yes.
0: dude. I almost fell out of my chair when mom said that. Cause I'm like, and, and that's exactly what you're, I mean, the effortless, just just smooth just is effortless. As silk. Your the guy, I mean, unsolicited says that Snoop dog may be the coolest guy on that, the planet.
1: And again, his flow just as a rapper and as a rap fan, his flow had always been just like effortless. Like that was, that was one of my favorite things about him, you know, in his younger days and whatnot, because you had all these other guys, you know, Dog style came out early 90s a lot of the other guys were doing really like you know hardcore stuff but it was like choppy it was you know it was bam 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 snoop dog comes out and it's like a guy just surfing on the wave man and it's it's kind of unbelievable that he's still able to do that all these years later and still make it look just as effortless as it always did um he's just yeah he's an incredible entertainer and a lot of people don't know this unbelievable football player by the way um was actually highly recruited in high school people were like this guy might be a new like a big-time college you know football star wider receiver mm-hmm. um yeah he was he was a legit athlete and uh that he actually has some videos of him still like you know working out and exercising I'm like guys has got some moves for a dude in his 50 50- i mean he's he can still he can still uh you know run around a little bit for super gangly guy <laughs>
0: yeah sign a letter um, intent to play for ucla apparently yeah. um so oh no wait, that was his son sorry his, yeah, son, his son was yeah. son. sorry i was re- i was misreading the the wikipedia article <laughs> yeah he doesn't <laughs> was play like around. wow he's he was playing for you know, UCLA. that's funny yeah but, was, uh, but, but snoop coached legit. the kids team as i recall uh, Yeah, so that was kind of wild. the uh the other part of the snoop dog story story that cracked me up so i've okay, got mom talking about how cool he is my eight-year-old daughter looks up during the show and she says Oh, that's the Corona beer commercial guy. <laughs> <He does laughs> right. The, the you know, yeah. my 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 what was it? Uh, Las, Martha Las, Stewart's best Las, friend. Vida, Las Vida Mosfina. Yeah, that's it. That's how the line goes. But she's like, I you was know, like, okay, adverta- never say advertising doesn't work because the eight-year-old popped up and says, Oh, he does the <laughs> he does the corona beer commercials. I'm like cracked up okay that's going to take us i think to ask us any speaking of commercials any commercials you liked i thought they were pretty Meh. yeah
1: i don't really care. I, honestly i feel like the thing they're doing with the commercials now is they're starting to sh- like they're they're like okay well we paid 12 trillion dollars for the spots so and now we're going to start airing it three weeks before the actual super bowl yeah and so you've seen a lot of them before they've even aired and it kind of takes away from the whole thing so yeah i, I, I don't really i mind. didn't
0: i didn't have any spots that i was like oh my god some some years you're just like oh my god these were amazing um i i know they were just okay uh a lot of them they just felt like regular commercials
1: yeah and i also
0: like super bowl commercials
1: yeah by the way i also really appreciate somebody pointed out like remember you know at the very beginning of the dot-com bubble where basically every super bowl commercial was for the you know a soon-to-be defunct dot-com yeah yeah (laughs) well that's that's the same kind of vibes that all these crypto commercials kind of gave off i think so i just i I would invite people to kind of remember that maybe a little bit here um when (laughs) when they think about that
0: i like the commenter on on twitter and i wish i could remember who put it so i could give them attribution but said something like you know how i know crypto isn't real money because no one's running commercials for money (laughs) that's right (laughs) hey kids money use it like, that's right. pretty good. Uh, the other the other commenter I saw was like, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Super Bowl commercials were all about like horsepower and Budweiser, and now it's about electric cars and seltzer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's yeah. time for ask us anything, the finest segment of the program. Uh, our weekly reminder that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, whatever kind of paraphernalia and or clothing you might like as the discerning sports fan that you are, you will find it at drygoods.11warriors.com. What have you in the mailbag, my friend?
1: So uh you can, you know, send us questions and we'd love to answer them, but I got I to tell you something. I, I appreciate, we got some on Twitter, we got some on the, uh, on the emails, you know, again eleven warriorscom uh tell you what let's just do this first one here from our good friend alvin who wants to know is there a life hack slash trick that you use regularly
0: that is a great question uh huh i i i don't
1: i don't know that i have any good life hacks it's very like so do you tricks? like okay but are you like when you go to the grocery store or anything like that do you have like a little thing that you might do just like okay this is my this is my trick this is my well you know. i'm
0: i'm very much a creature of habit and yeah. and this is in a lot of areas of my life examples being like going to my favorite little greasy spoon coffee shop Every morning and ordering the same thing for breakfast, like that's so. When I go to the grocery store, my grocery routine, like it's, I'm very much a creature of habit. I go up the aisles the same way. I by and large buy the same things. It's it, it's very you know routine and predictable in that way. And I, I I guess maybe uh, if I want to really stretch this into the question about life hacks, I always kind of admired if you look at uh, Steve Jobs or even Mark Zuckerberg, although I don't, I I would not put those two people in the same uh, class the whole thing about wearing the same thing every day you know like steve jobs Mm. it was always the black mock turtleneck and the blue jeans you know so that's one that's one thing you don't have to think about you know life is all about choices and decisions and so on so you take away the ones that don't matter if you're steve jobs and you're worth a bajillion dollars who cares what you what you're wearing and for him that looked worked you know so there's that that would be a a life hack type thing i don't really do that although i probably have the same (laughs) rotation of jeans and shirts that i where most days but I, I think that's probably why my breakfast order is always the same or you know the groceries we buy the grocery stores by and large always the same I don't think about it it just it's boom put it, on right. put it on autopilot and go it doesn't doesn't matter that much no not really because I enjoy what I have for breakfast every morning I enjoy the same routine of foods that we have for supper and so the grocery store trips are easy because I'm just gonna get these things boom boom boom
1: yeah. I, you know what? So along those lines, I, so a clothing thing, first of all, my, my philosophy has always been that nobody knows what an expensive tie looks like. Yeah. They know what an ugly tie looks like, right? True. You, know, you don't want an ugly tie, but nobody knows what an actual expensive tie looks like. And so I've got a number of ties that I just have from like Goodwill that I bought for a buck and they look just as good as like, I have, I have one very expensive tie. I have, I have an Italian silk tie Nice. and, and it look it's great. It's a great tie um but you can't tell it apart in quality from uh, you know all the other ties that i have like i'm sure somebody could but you know nobody cares so there there are certain items where i would encourage people to go you know what is this something that has to be an expensive purchase because usually the answer is no and especially when it comes to like accessories like like ties and things like that um for me this is like just me being a luddite you know i didn't get a uh I didn't, I didn't get a debit card until, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. (laughs) I, I, I traditionally try to pay everything in cash. Um, I know I'm a, I'm a kind of a weird person, but, uh, my philosophy always was in terms of like saving money is that I would get out just enough money, um, to, you know, cover basic needs and things like that. If I had to go grocery shopping or whatever, I mean, obviously a, a debit card or whatever helps with that, but. I would check out like 40 bucks at a time and never more than that. So if there was something that I really wanted and it cost more than 40 bucks then I just wasn't getting it. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a bit of advice that I've given to like young people. I'm like, yeah, you know, don't, don't take out, don't take out more cash than you're willing to spend on any yeah. one thing. And then just don't, don't go over that on any one purchase you know, and, and granted, obviously with the internet, you're buying things in a different way, but, um, I have always tried to kind of stick to that. Don't, don't go don't take out more than two twenties and then try to keep all purchases below that. If you can,
0: that was good advice. I remember the first time I went to Las Vegas, we, we had, a something, I guess, of a family tradition that dad and, and his farmer buddies would go to Las Vegas every year, usually. And, late February, you know, before it was time to be out in the fields you know, getting farm work started, that sort of thing. And so when, when us boys turned 21, dad would take us to Las Vegas. Um, we had to provide our own gambling money, but dad picked up the flight the hotel and, and, uh, I did a goodly portion of the meals you, you you had to bring your own gambling money, but otherwise that was dad's birthday present. And dad's advice was set an amount of money that you could afford to lose every day. Right. And, you know, leave the rest of it you know in your in the safe in your room or wherever you know I probably would <laughs> don't I, I don't do that so much anymore because I'm always afraid somebody's gonna rip the stuff off or I'm gonna forget the safe combination but Dad's advice was you know the rest of it. I think the way you do you know, like put it in your shoe or something like that the
1: money you oh I hoard spend. money like like a you know like a great depression <laughs> yeah 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 but <laughs> like you seriously set the like amount it's... of money
0: that you're willing to lose for the day yeah. so if you go to Vegas and you're there for three days and your total nut is 500 bucks then you, you know, you'd better not lose more than say 150 bucks a day at the tables. Um, you know, you set your, set your limit and then when it's done, you know, that's it, that's it for the day. Right. And, um, because I remember him telling the story that, you know, there was somebody had gone on the trip and they shot their wad the very first day, you know, Vegas, Vegas will do that to you. Right. You, you, you (laughs) go full tilt and, next thing you know and that person spent the rest of the trip in their room basically sad and unhappy because they'd shot their they'd shot their wad on that first day and it's like you know the house always wins so at least just make sure that the house wins the last time when you're at the airport playing that last slot machine before you get on the airplane (laughs) right yeah right
1: exactly yeah so i you know try to keep purchases reasonable and then and cash you know safe i guess is the advice i would have uh this next question here this is from uh, matt in minneapolis and this is uh re annie's winter habits and trucks being a native son of ohio and living in minneapolis i was stunned to learn that you can buy a non-four-wheel drive dually or a non-four-wheel drive truck in general isn't that what a truck is for uh p.s it's like negative 10 with two feet of snow on the ground so i've got little to no sympathy for my a-town friends complaining about cold and snow Yeah. I yeah. If you're in Minneapolis, I I imagine you would have no sympathy. I mean, it's, it's freaking Minneapolis. So yeah. Good for you. I
0: I would tend, I would tend to agree. And, and, you know, we have some rules in our house. Um, I've been teaching them to the eight-year-old daughter already, because when I go out driving, I probably grouse a bit at the other drivers. Uh, Mm -hmm. the two very simple rules we have are if you can't back it, don't drive it. Oh, good God. That's a great piece of advice. And secondly, if you can't park it, don't don't drive it yeah. um because you can't tell me how many times you know we're we're in the grocery store it's, it seems like it's always the grocery store parking lot but you're at a grocery store parking lot or you're at easton or something and you watch these people and it doesn't have to be a ginormous truck like it could be somebody with a mid-size suv and you watch them you know try to put their mid-size suv in a parking spot that i could put a dually and a boat in mm-hmm. and you are just like, Oh my God, how have you gotten to this stage in your life without being able to pilot your bloody vehicle? And here's the other thing that really, they've never
1: me. done it until they purchased the vehicle. That's yeah, the but, thing. It's a so, vanity thing.
0: And, and I'll grant you that we were raised differently. So, you know, I growing up on the farm, uh, mom had a double cab dually pickup truck yeah. and we had a 20 foot gooseneck, uh, steel gooseneck cattle trailer because nice. we 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 had cattle, so you needed a truck. Um, and <laughs> I'll always remember driving uh, like a 1984 Chevy Silverado, uh, painted in John Deere green with a John Deere yellow pinstripe, and a steel flatbed uh, down the alleyways on West Woodruff Avenue <laughs> as a as an undergraduate, and parking that thing, you know, this three quarter ton pickup truck, uh, you barely you know, you were almost rubbing the alley on both sides, driving the truck into the alley to get to the parking space behind my apartment building. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, getting that thing piloted into a parking spot that really those spots behind that building were made for, you know, like a geo tracker <laughs> and right. Getting that truck in there. Um, but, but the way we were raised, you know, dad would take, you'd take the pickup truck in the, in the cattle trailer, out in the field, you know, I'm probably 14 years old or something like that. And dad's first thing is, you know, put it in reverse and you can't go into drive aside from, you know, like you're get yourself jacked around or you have to straighten back up, but put it in reverse and back it around this field. And, you, you know, we're just out in the middle of a big open field and you just, you're just back in circles to learn how to back a truck and trailer. So I understand right. not everybody has that experience, but uh, I just, we will get so infernal mad. Now to the question about four wheel drive, that was one of the things dad has always said, never understand why anyone would buy a pickup truck without four wheel drive. What's the point. And, and dad has sort of an unofficial rule that, you know, I've, I've adopted the, if you can't back it, can't park it, don't drive it rules. But another one's like, if you don't need a truck, don't buy a truck.
1: Yeah, Well, especially the way trucks are today. I mean, you saw some of the ads. Oh <laughs> my God, they're massive. They're, well, it's not just that they're massive. Like, I don't know. I don't understand why. I don't understand why the front ends of these things have to be five feet tall. And, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit as many small children as I possibly can. I, I mean, like,
0: you're, you're making a, a a point by the way of, of comedy, but I read a really great New York times. Uh, I won't say it's a great story. I think they actually did a half-ass uh, attempt at it because they, a lot of the people they quoted in the story were blaming COVID and the pandemic, but the number of people killed, Um, in pedestrian automobile crashes in other words somebody kills someone with their car kills a pedestrian with their car Mm. are at record levels over the past two years like the number of those kind of deaths are up like 50 percent. i mean it's this obscene number the number of vehicle related fatalities in general is up considerably but specifically the number of people who are killed with vehicles and i and i think at some point Um, And I say, this is a guy who drives a Chevy Suburban. So, you know, I'm understand that I'm part of this uh, conversation too. We have a reason we have that vehicle; we use that space. Um, Mm -mm. But I I do think there's at some point Detroit and we as drivers and so on have to have a bit of a reckoning about why are we making these
1: vehicles this bloody large? I just, I mean, I, I like a pickup truck. I drove pickup trucks, you know, for a couple of years. That's what we grew up on. And I, you know, I learned how to drive a stick on a pickup. Like I, I really like driving pickup trucks. I, I cannot imagine myself driving a pickup truck now because they're just, they're too big. They're, I can't do it. I, like I, the, you know, the small, more utilitarian ones, I want a pickup truck like that, but they don't exist. So I don't well, know. The, you know,
0: that's the other thing that's kind of crazy to me is if you go back and look at, you know, we used to make reasonably sized pickup trucks because not everybody needs a double cab dually. Even if you need no, a pickup truck. I just,
1: I just want a single cab, man. And I don't know why they, they just don't exist. They, I think like the right. Dodge
0: Dakota, you know, yeah. the, the, the Ford, uh, the Ford Ranger, um, even the Chevy S10, you know, they used to make, and, and I know Chevy still makes, I think the Colorado or something like that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even if you just take a look at like a 1976 Chevy Silverado, and put it up next to the 2022 version, uh, there's a huge difference. And that 80 something Silverado that I drove around campus was a big truck, don't get me wrong. It was a good sized truck, but the height of the front end that you're talking about is is big. And yeah, I don't know, I don't get it. I, but I, And I would say probably because dad always said, if you don't need a truck, don't, you know, if you're not using a truck, don't own a truck. Um, i wouldn't have the suburban if we didn't go to dog shows i need the suburban because we haul three dogs three people and uh, all of the dog show equipment that we use that was the only yeah. reason we got the suburban i this is the biggest vehicle i've ever driven um yeah. since moving off the farm and that's and that's why we have it i just want a
1: sturdy tacoma man that's, <laughs> that's Do they I'm even saying. make that, do they even make that anymore no i don't think uh, so okay all right probably not um, all right so anyway we got one more question here this is oh actually we have another question um and i appreciate linda for sending this in but unfortunately i had no actual um body to it it just it was to the uh, to dubcast at 11 warriors.com and unfortunately there was nothing else in the message so if you'd like to try again linda i, I encourage you to do so we'll put um, you on the this head of the line yeah uh this one's from uh buckeye chief mod buckeye chief uh for Ask us anything uh, why has the football program largely ignored any and all contributions from race claret and terrell Pryor? enough time has passed and while tp is still a bit toxic uh has redeemed himself become a motivational speaker that other programs embrace here's what i'll say uh as far as TPZ goes i think there are some extracurricular reasons why that's the case um I also think that just in terms of the history of the program, his story, at least athletically, is is one of Ohio State kind of wasting his talent and potential and and not allowing him to live up to his full you know ability uh, when it comes to uh, being a football player. You know he was kind of stuck in a really backwards offense, and even though he was mind-bendingly amazing as an actual athlete, he just. It, it's unfortunate that that's kind of what he was his role was being decided i mean look you had a guy in trail prior who could run like a legit like four right four three five forty at like six foot six and two thirty five pounds and jim bowman is telling oh, him what to do on a weekly basis like think about that
0: just run the like, Dave, man. Just run the think Dave. Think
1: about yeah. Think about that. What that means, and I, I so I, I really think part of it is because his potential was just kind of wasted, honestly, uh, at least from a athletic standpoint. And then you know the biggest accomplishment they they won a really great Rose Bowl victory over the Ducks, which was cool, and they beat Arkansas, albeit one that was eventually you know kind of wiped off the rec- record books. And then of course you've got taggate. So all of that stuff combined, I, I think, is why you know prior doesn't get that kind of attention uh, then claret you know yes i i agree that he's he's definitely kind of changed his life and, and there's a lot of you know significant things that he's doing for the community and he's you know a success story but um there's also a lot of i think maybe institutional animosity with how everything went down after the national championship and even before the national championship you know where there was this kind of antagonistic relationship and i'm not saying that Claret was wrong because I don't think he was wrong I think he was absolutely right in a lot of what he was saying about how college athletes were being treated and continue to be treated I think he was dead on about all that stuff but I also think Ohio State has a very long memory and um, they they are probably slow to embrace guys who uh, called them out on that kind of stuff
0: yeah, that could be part of it too, and and the the context for this um, because I, I I talked about with this with Buckeye Chief, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, um, on social media as well, uh, last over the weekend I think ahead of the Super Bowl game um someone on twitter posted you know the pictures of some ohio state running backs of years past archie griffin uh ezekiel elliott uh i think eddie george was in there i take the back archie wasn't one of those eddie george and zeke and uh maurice claret and uh, i think it was jk dobbins was the fourth Mm -hmm. and gave you the scenario you know fourth and goal from the two you're you're down six last play of the game you know who are you who who are you giving (laughs) the ball to and what are we talking about and well see and somebody in the comments mentioned Carlos Hyde um Tony Alford running back coach at Ohio State okay uh responded you know with I think he was trying to be cute and said I'm not answering this question and Maurice as the meme would say took that personally uh and he responded to coach Alford and said I'll answer it for you y'all better act like I existed at some point brought the new wave of recruits and respect back to the brand if they won't tell you i will politics and nonsense stop the progress not my play
1: yeah well and i I think you
0: can tell claret still has a lot of uh feelings about his time at ohio state he does not by any stretch of the imagination i don't think speak badly of ohio state or the things he does say i think are justified as you noted the thing i find interesting you know you're you're right about ohio state probably having a long memory although everybody who was involved with the Maurice Claret situation in Ohio state, I think it's long since gone. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's totally different. So, you know, there is one of these things I remember when they brought back, you know, like Jim Trestle and the players were carrying him on his shoulders during, you know, halftime when they recognized the national championship team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was some discussion about like, you know, it's time for Ohio state to welcome back. Terrell Pryor and, and Jim Trestle and these, you know, these kind but of, they haven't uh,
1: really though. Right. Well, I mean, they, they haven't
0: really after that. And, and I, I think there's a better case to be made because of the reasons that uh, Buckeye chief mentioned in the question about what Maurice has done with his wife and, and yeah. uh, the work he's done in the community. I think he's on the, I want to say he's like on the Youngstown chamber of commerce. Now. I think I saw on his social media field the other day, feed the other day. um Yeah. Quite a, quite a lot uh, that, that he has done and continues to do as a community leader and so on. I think there's a real strong case to be made. It feels like he's one of those guys that should have been coming back doing like real life Wednesdays kind of things Mm -hmm. with, with the guys and, you know, kind of doing the, (laughs) Hey, you know, don't, don't let yourself get sideways the way I did, um, with some of his life choices that he talks about in his, you know, motivational speaking and his book and so on. So I, I, I find that really interesting and I think there's a better case to be made for, you know, welcoming him back, so to speak. Um, oh, then, I think they should. Yeah. I, then, I don't, then there I is don't Terrell Fryer,
1: but yeah, but I just think in general, it's just Ohio state. It's the brand, the brand, the brand, and they're yeah. going to, they're going to pick and choose which guys they think best represent that. And yep. it's, it's sometimes kind of a pretty cold calculus. I think when they, when they come to that, I mean, again, even a dude like Jim Trestle is not, <laughs> he may not fit that mold anymore that they want. And,
0: and two, here's the other thing. You know, if you really want to be just like coldly subjective about it, you know, the kind of guys that they have uh, on the wall in the facility, and I'm, we're just using that as sort of the uh, the generic marker. You know, you're looking at an Archie Griffin, two time Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy winner. You know, and by the way, one of the greatest human beings in history. You know, as as Coach yeah. Hayes would have said, he's a even better person than he is a football player, and he's the best football player what he'd ever seen. You know, you're you're looking at people who played three four years with with Maurice unfortunately you just got that one incredible season right <clears throat> uh you know and, and I think that's that's part of it too is like do you do you, where do you list a Maurice Claret among Ohio State's running backs and like there's some really interesting conversation to be had there because if you're just saying pure talent uh Oh, no doubt you put him up to the top of the heap and you can split hairs on whether you're going to pick Maurice or Zeke or Eddie George or, you know, whatnot. Um, But where do you put a guy because of how short his career was, relatively speaking, where do you put him in the list of greatest Ohio state running backs? You know, it's, it's, and we're not going to have that discussion right now, but I I, I just find it all very, very interesting. Uh, Good question, chief. I love
1: it. I think it's great. Yep. And so that's ask us anything. Thanks again for sending those in and uh, we'll keep answering them.
0: I'm going to throw an ask us anything for you that this question sparked in my mind. You were talking about Terrell Pryor and how misused he was. God bless Jim Bowman. Would you have rather seen him in the urban Meyer offense or the Ryan day offense?
1: Oh, urban Meyer offense. I mean, Ryan day offense, I think would be still really interesting, but um, yeah, the, (laughs) the, the idea of him like running, you know, read options all that stuff that that's terrifying to any defense I think that would have been a trip to watch that would have been really awesome I mean you think about like what they're able to do with Braxton Miller and Braxton Miller again is is himself was a mind-bending amazing athlete and probably the most fun I've ever had watching an Ohio State football player but uh trail Pryor in that same position would have been, I mean, you, you're looking at like a cam Newton kind of career, I think. Um, and the kind of impact that he would have had, um, you know, like cam had it at, at Auburn. So that, that would have been absolutely wild to watch. He just felt like a guy who was made for an urban Meyer offense. Yeah. Yeah. I I the, think the that prototypical would have been the, kind of, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there would have been a much better fit than that dude.
0: All right. Let's get on to kind of the, 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 final wrap on this week's podcast, Ohio state opens up, uh, believe it or not as a two and a half point favorite over Alabama. If you were making your predictions early, there are some super early lines for next year, 10 months away from any possibility of Ohio state playing either right. Alabama or Georgia or anyone else for the national championship game, but the action network has taken a stab at it anyway. Um, they're putting Ohio state in as a 17 point favorite over Georgia in the Fiesta bowl and you're, uh, in, in your first round of the playoff. (laughs) And then Ohio state is a two point favorite over Alabama and the CFP national championship. Uh, you ready to go put your money down on
1: either. No, no, I'm not doing that dumb stuff. No, on, that's
0: free money. Right.
1: I don't care. That's dumb. Don't don't please don't do that.
0: Ohio state by two. I mean, that's actually not a it's not a terrible line
1: um yeah i know but that's come on this is it's based on nothing and it's to get money from people who are willing to put you know actual real american dollars on that so no i always get a kick
0: out of things like the super bowl where you see the crazy bets that people put out you know 10 months before the season even starts oh sure yeah uh, the ones that pay off or the ones that don't Well, the ones that crack me up, like this isn't one, you know, if you're a big Ohio state fan and you go and throw a 20 down on Ohio state over Alabama as a two point favorite now, like, oh, okay, that's fun. Who cares? Not a big deal. Um, the ones I got to kick out over, like the spot bets on the super bowl where, it's things like, uh, how long the national anthem. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Or what color the Gatorade is. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Blue, by the way, it was blue.
0: What kind of degenerate are you when you're making those prop bets? Uh, that's a, that's a bridge too far for me. I think one thing that's going to have to happen for Ohio state to get to the playoff is, is for them to get tougher. We will recall with, uh, I'm sure no shortage of emotion, the comments made by certain former Michigan staffers about Ohio state being soft. Well, this week we heard for some players that the workouts this winter have been intense. Members of the team met with the press, fourth year linebacker Cade Stover's told 11 warriors. This is probably the hardest winter I've had since I've been here. And that's been awesome. He said, that's what we needed. That's what we've had. Uh, I, I would say, um, I would expect Ohio state to be the toughest bunch of SOBs, uh, in the conference next year, because that's the kind of getting called out that that forces change.
1: Wouldn't you say? I hope so. I mean, that's what we want. Right. And that's, they've got a lot to prove and they're going to have a chance to do it so yeah i'm i'm, I'm with there man I, I hope
0: it happens got a kick out of tanner McAllister, of course formerly of oklahoma state university now in his first year at ohio state he tweeted <clears throat> <laughs> tweeted uh oh, late, late last week should have told me what i was getting myself into right uh, in response to, to roger mitchell's uh, tweet about matt drills <laughs> so uh it, it looks like uh uh, maybe Oklahoma state wasn't running winter workouts quite as intense as this last word, uh, for the week, Ohio state also released some data about name image and likeness deals for college athletes. According to data from open doors released by Ohio state as part of the presentation of the board of trustees last week. Ohio state ranks first in the country in total NIL compensation across all sports as of January 23rd. 225 different ohio state athletes 619 total deals total value of 2.985 million dollars since athletes were able to start profiting off their name image and likeness january 1st last year uh how did that strike you as you as you looked at that report and that data uh were you impressed three million dollars in six months hashtag not bad um or... i just hope every
1: player gets a kombucha company to uh, to give them a million bucks i just hope that's that continues
0: yeah i mean there i think there's um i think there's something to be said there uh and and when you break it out from the various sports football players clearly made the most of that mm-hmm. money 2.6 million of the two point Eight five or whatever, two point nine eight five, hundred and seventy three total deals. But Ohio State did say at least one athlete from every Ohio State sport has landed a deal. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, this was interesting. Women's gymnastics, most NIL money among women's
1: sports, uh, thirty one thousand on thirty five total deals. Um, I'm actually not super surprised by that, just because there's that there's a whole subculture around like gymnastics and, and that sport that kind of feeds on itself. Um, especially with like uh, influencer type stuff around, you know, fitness and workouts and whatnot. So I'm not that, that's not super shocking to me.
0: I, and I feel like, and I don't have the table in front of me, I feel like they were the, um, they were the second largest team you know, something like the, the women's that's what <clears throat> I think stood out to me is they were
1: farther up than several of the men's teams i thought would be well yeah because maybe would well, be up there the only reason why i know this because i was kind of looking this up when the nil stuff was kind of going down and, and who they projected to make the money and oh. a lot of it is because a lot of the women's uh gymnastics players already have fairly successful instagram accounts and social media influence you know at, on a larger scale even going into this than some of the other niche sports might. So they, they already had a base that they could establish and kind of like build from, which I, I just thought was really interesting because I had no idea. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what was going on with women's gymnastics, but they're like, yeah, they've a lot of these athletes already have kind of a, a fan base, you know, that they're cultivating. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool that they're already prepared for that. Um, <clears throat> and you was, don't see that with a lot of other sports, honestly.
0: Yeah. And it was women's volleyball. I was thinking of, um, because they were saying uh, football players accounted for like twenty-seven and a half percent of Ohio's nil Ohio State's nil deals. Women's volleyball players were the second most, then men's basketball, then men's tennis, then men's lacrosse. So it was volleyball. I was thinking of not gymnastics. Um, so that was really kind of wild. The other thing that was interesting, if you look at social media posts, Ohio State football's football players averaging nearly six thousand dollars per Instagram post. Uh, Twitter and Instagram stories come cheaper, averaging 569 per Twitter post or $553 per Instagram story. Men's basketball players getting $9,500 per Instagram post, 400 bucks on Twitter and 124 for Instagram story. Kind of wild. And I I think it'll be, you and I've talked about this before. See me in a year, see me in two years from now. And let's see how this shakes out when some of the newness wears off and when some of the wild wild west has kind of worked its way through the system great yeah all right well let's leave it at that good place to end it uh football season done and put to bed both nfl and college football so we'll spend the next several weeks talking about basketball the wrestling team's regular season is wrapped up and so we're working our way toward tournament time big 10 and ncaa tournaments coming up here in the next few weeks we'll be talking about those as well until then i'm andy i'm johnny Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.